0: Hello and welcome to the media outreach of Faith Alive Ministries. For over 30 years, Faith Alive Ministries has continued to answer the call to teach God's people how to live in this world. This charismatic teaching ministry has current bases of operation in both Oklahoma and Arizona. We are honored to share the gospel in the northeastern Oklahoma prison system as well as in church gatherings and evangelistic outreaches around the country. We believe the message you're about to hear will inspire and encourage you and empower you to live the abundant life God has for you. Join with us now as we receive from the Word of God. I'd like to introduce to you Jody Baker, and without any further delay, Jody, come on and feed us the Word.
1: Well, praise the Lord, I'm excited to be back. It's been two years since I've gotten to be here, and uh, I appreciate Pastor Lloyd and Pastor Debbie, and uh, they're, they're always quick to invite me, and I really, truly appreciate that. That means they trust me, and that that means a lot to me. And uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm honored to be here with you this evening, and uh, I enjoy Josh's music. It's good. It gets you kind of revved up, doesn't it? So... <laughs> I'm gonna move that so you know I never go anywhere and just say okay God this is what I'm gonna do and uh uh you know I always spend time in prayer and I spend time seeking the Lord as to the word he has for each place that I go I'm from Shoto Oklahoma which is about 40 miles east of Tulsa and uh, I've been in the ministry not that I have to give you credentials but I'm coming up on uh, let's see, 39 years in the ministry. And uh, God has been good and God has been faithful. You know, there's sometimes we don't understand why things happen like they do or why things come in our lives or, or, you know, sometimes we just don't have answers. But I determined a long time ago that it didn't matter if I had answers because I know the Father. And I don't have to question why because I trust Him. And, you know, that's a... That's a relational thing. That's, that's knowing God. That's knowing that He's always a good God. And even if I don't understand, I don't have to understand. That's where I'm at in that relationship. I don't spend my prayer time going, well, why God? Why God? Why God? Why God? I spend my time saying, thank you, God, you're faithful. Because He's proved that over and over to me, that He is a faithful God. And so tonight, I just want to minister on a I think I want to teach is what I want to do. And um, uh, I I titled this, How Does Your Garden Grow? And the Lord began to speak to me about our lives. And um, uh, I was teaching. We have a Bible school at our home church in Shoto. And I, I, my husband was the founder of that, and I'm the administrator now. He moved to heaven, and so he's, he's uh, sending the instructions down <laughs> for what I'm supposed to be doing. But anyway... Uh, I administrate that school, and I also teach in the school. And so it, I teach on grace. And, you know, there's a lot of teaching on grace. I don't know if you watch Christian television or if you uh, listen to Christian radio, but there is a lot of teaching about grace. And so I, I always feel very responsible. And so I said, Lord, I want to teach grace right. And so I want, you know, I'm asking you for I'm not going I don't want to preach it because this guy says it's one this way, and I don't want to preach it because this guy says it's this way. I want to know by revelation of the Holy Spirit what the message of grace is really about. And so, I uh, the morning, I the evening, I was supposed to uh, teach in the school. I went home, and I'd been studying and and just refreshing on some of the notes and preparing myself for that night. And um, so, I went home at to change clothes and get myself ready, and I thought, I'm just going to just lay here on the sofa, rest my mind, just kind of get quiet before the Lord, and uh, and I know your days are busy, my days are busy, sometimes you just get so busy, you can't hear what the Spirit of God has to say, so I closed my eyes a few minutes, and the Spirit of God just spoke to me so plainly, and he said, uh, he said, uh, what would you think... If I told you that I would build, someone was going to build you a mansion, free of charge, give you everything you needed to furnish it, and it, it, it would be exactly something that would fit you, that would be exactly what you needed, and that you never even had to maintain it, that it would be maintained for the rest of your life. So I thought about that a minute. And Practical Me, I said, well, what's the catch? (laughs) You know, because there's, you know, those things just don't come along very often. And um, the Spirit of God said, the only thing that you're responsible for is to uh, take care of the landscaping on the outside of the mansion. And you are to make it look in a way that it will enhance the mansion that's been given to you. And I said, well, Lord, I can grow a few pots of flowers. So that's about all I'm good at. I don't know how to design a landscape. I don't know how to do any of that. And he said, oh, but I, I i forgot to tell you that this mansion comes with an estate manager and that he has everything you need and all the instructions, all the plans. He'll show you. He'll teach you how to landscape the the garden around the house so that it enhances what the mansion that's been built for you and i said okay i can go there and so he began to speak to me about the mansion that's already been provided for us and you know as i was ta- as i was preparing i began to read about paul and the apostle paul and he said this in 1 corinthians 15:8 through 11 He said, last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him, saw Jesus. He's talking about how he wasn't really qualified to be an apostle because he didn't walk with Jesus. But then he said, I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. Remember, Paul, he was on a religious mission, and it was his job to go kill the Christians because they weren't following the religious ways. In verse 10, he says this, "...but whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out his special favor on me, and it wasn't without results. For I have worked harder than any of the other apostles. Yet it was not I, but God who was working through me by his grace." And so in the King James, that's the new living. In the King James, it says that Paul says, I labored with grace. Well, if you think about the grace message that's being taught, it's being taught that you don't have to do a single thing. Spiritually, that's true. But there are still requirements on us as a Christian to walk out and to landscape our garden. And we're going to talk about how we landscape our garden It is a labor for us to bring the grace that has been provided on the inside in our spirit man and bring it to the outside. So the mansion that's given to us is a type of the spirit that's inside of us when we're born again. When we become born again, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things, what? Become new. Now, we know that when we get born again, everything in our life does not become new, does it? We don't stop getting angry. We don't stop being jealous. We don't get over uh, people treating us wrong. It, it doesn't just stop instantly. So where does that new creation actually happen? It happens in our spirit. When we ask Jesus into our lives, we become born again. Before we ask Jesus, it's like, if you'll let me say this, it's like a black hole inside of us because there's no light in us. The devil is our father before we're born again. That's what the word says, that the devil is our father. And it's, it's like a, a black hole. You've seen those uh, shows on TV in space where there's a black hole Well, that's what's on the inside of us, in our spirit, our human spirit, before we're born again. But when we become born again, we ask Jesus into our life, into our spirit, it explodes with light. And what comes to reside in us is the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything he is, everything that he purchased for us on the cross comes to live and reside within our spirit man. That's where we become a brand new creation. In Ephesians, it tells us... Let me get there. Ephesians one, thirteen through 14, it says, "...in whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation." In whom also after that you believed you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. I love what Paul is preaching here because that word sealed is a picture word. Some words in the, in the Bible are picture words. You can't just give a definition for them. It, it's a picture that explains what the word means. That word sealed is, uh, described by the Bible day market time. And in those times, people would bring their wares, bring their goods, bring food, bring everything to sell in their, in the market. Well, when they would bring like a sack of grain or they would bring a, a clay jar of nuts or whatever they were sell, selling would have a seal stamped on it. That seal was proof that what was, it was the seal of the owner, of the market owner, that what, and his guarantee that what was inside the bag or inside the clay jar was the product that he promised it to be. Now we have that in modern day canning. If any of you have ever canned jelly or canned it, Hand green beans or tomatoes or whatever, that's not my forte. My mom did it, and I'd, she made me learn, but it's just not my strong point. But when we seal a jar, or maybe you take a jelly jar and you pour hot wax on it and it seals what's inside, that is a guarantee that what you put in there is exactly what you meant to be in there. That's what that word means, sealed by the Holy Spirit. So when you're born again, <laughs> when you're born again, your spirit explodes with light. Everything that Jesus is, everything that he purchased for us is brought in to our spirit man. If you'll let me say this, we look just like Jesus. And the Holy Spirit comes in. And he seals the goodness of God inside of us. And it's a guarantee, the Holy Spirit guarantees that what Jesus brought with him at the time of the new birth is exactly what his word said it would be. Now, another thing the seal does is it keeps impurities out, doesn't it? Like if you steal a jar of jelly, it means that no impurities, no bugs, no anything, no nothing from the outside, no bacteria can get into into and ruin that jar of jelly. Well, that's exactly what the Holy Spirit does also. He comes and that means, you know what that means is that the devil cannot steal your salvation. There's people that believe the devil can steal your salvation. He can't steal your salvation because he's been sealed out. The Holy Spirit came by promise and he sealed everything that Jesus is by the word of God inside of us. And that's the mansion that's been built and given to us. It is built to specification. What are the specifications? Right here. Oh, boy.
2: <laughs>
1: wow. And nothing can, the devil cannot come and steal that from you. Galatians 3.16 says that I no longer live by the curse of the law. Why? Because the life of God is sealed in me, in my born-again spirit. Now, what's the qualification for that? Being born again. You can't work for it. You can't earn it. You accept it. And that's what happens when you become born again. That's where healing comes. That's where... Uh, 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 provision comes uh, in its fullness, that's where the work of the cross comes. That's where the blood comes and wipes away all sin. Do you know that God does not remember your sin
2: from before you were born again? He can't because it's been wiped out
1: Amen, that's hallelujah, that's Hallelujah ground, isn't it? So all of God's goodness is sealed in our born-again spirit. The enemy can never, ever contaminate that. Amen? Now, let's talk about where he can contaminate. So, how many of you know that when you got born again, your soul didn't change instantly, did it? You still thought the same way? You still thought the same things? The same things came to attack you. Sometimes we had the same habits. Sometimes we had the same anger. Sometimes we had the same uh, grudge-holding ability. (laughs) Sometimes we had traits from our family that that didn't change instantly. Now, our spirit, where the mansion is, it's fully maintained, and it will never change. It will always be maintained because it's not ever going to change because it is the Spirit of God
2: that has sealed it. But the Spirit of God said, your responsibility is to maintain the landscape. So what does that mean?
1: That means that the things in the realm of our soul or our mind, those terms are interchangeable. That's our responsibility. To change or to uh, cause the landscaping
2: to enhance what's inside of us. Is it making sense? Mm-hmm. Amen.
1: So that is the realm of the soul. It didn't get born again when you got born again. Now, it'll go to heaven with your spirit, and it'll be redeemed at that time. But it is our responsibility
2: to grow the right garden. And let's talk about the garden.
1: 1 Corinthians 3.9 says, We are God's land under cultivation. Isaiah 61.11 says that our soul is compared to a garden. And the garden grows life with the seeds that are sown into it. Jeremiah 31, 12 says, Our soul shall be a watered garden. Jesus referred to our souls as a garden. You remember in Mark 4, he talks about, about what? Different kinds of soil that the seed is sown into. Let's read that. Mark 4, verse 3 through 10. And I am going to read that in the King James Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow the word, to sow, and it came to pass as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up, and some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth, but when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. And others fell on good ground, ground that was prepared, and it did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth, some thirty and some sixty and some a hundred. And he said unto them, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, they that were about him with the twelve ask of him the parable. So that tells me that when he began to give this parable, there were lots of people around him. But when it became time to explain the parable, only his disciples and a few others stayed with him. That is where true maturity comes, is when you begin to cultivate your garden. There's nothing that you can do to uh, make the spirit man more mature because it is jesus personified it looks just like jesus but it is our responsibility as to what grows and what uh what um what we maintain within the garden of our soul and that's what jesus is saying in this parable and he goes on to say in verse 14 he says the sower sows the word now, the sower sows the word is anybody that sows the word, whether it's your pastor, your Sunday school teacher, Pastor Lloyd, uh, uh, anybody that sows or speaks the word is sowing the word. You have a choice what you're going to do with the word that comes forth. When it lands on the ground of your soul, it's your choice what you're going to do with it. That's what Jesus is saying. And he said, and these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. They don't guard the word of God that came and they don't allow it to take root, but they they fall back on maybe religious thinking. They fall back on family traits. They fall back on things that they've grown up with. That's what that means, is that they don't let the the seed of the word be cultivated within their soul. And Satan comes immediately. Now, remember, your spirit is sealed. And Satan cannot steal from your spirit, but he can steal from your soul. And it's up to you what you allow within your mind and your soul. That's your responsibility. God's not going to come and make you do something with the word of God. You know, people pray, oh, God, change me. God, take this away from me. God, do this. And God's saying, you do it. You cultivate your garden. Excuse me just a minute. It is dry in Tucson. (laughs) Or it's dry in cells.
2: (laughs) Sorry. Hmm. Sorry.
1: Verse 16. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness. But they have no root, what? In themselves. They have no root in themselves. And I like to liken stony ground as unforgiveness and bitterness because you won't you the word of god can't take root if you hold unforgiveness and bitterness the seed of the word cannot grow oh it'll it'll try to plant because the word is what will change that but you have to choose if you want it to take root and grow in your soul in your garden <clears throat> and have they have no root in themselves And so endure but for a time afterward when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, and immediately they are offended. You know, there's a lot of church people like that. They want God to do everything. And God's saying, allow the seed of the word to cultivate and grow in your garden. Cultivate your soul to
2: receive the seed of the word. God can't make the word grow in you. You have to choose to allow the word of God to grow in your garden.
1: And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word and the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, the lust of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful unfruitful but verse 20 says these are they which are sown on what good ground good ground ground that's been cultivated you know I could come out here and throw some seeds right here would they grow no because the ground has not been cultivated it has not been made ready for the seeds to come has it You can't just throw seeds right here and expect something to grow. That's anywhere, Oklahoma, anywhere. You can't just throw a seed there and expect it to grow. The ground has to be prepared. Who prepares the ground? Me and you, with the instruction of the Holy Spirit, with, as Brother Rick said today, the helper. He comes alongside of us, and he shows us how to begin to work the ground. He shows us the things that are hidden, Hidden in the heart of man. And when we allow Him to show us those things and we receive it with gladness, and it begins to, uh, we begin to cultivate the ground. And when the Word of God is sown, the seed of the Word is sown, and it lands on cultivated ground, guess what? It produces fruit in you. And it's because you've labored with grace. You see, the mansion comes. You didn't earn the mansion. You didn't do one thing to earn that mansion. didn't have to. Jesus did all the work. So the mansion comes what? By grace. But there's something that activates grace. And what is that? Faith. But faith comes as you cultivate Your garden, your soul, it is your choice to operate in faith or to stand there and just, I call it hammock Christians. That's what the grace message has created a lot of times. Yes, the grace message is good because we needed to understand we could not do anything to earn what Jesus did for us. But now we've got Christians that are laying in the hammock and and going, yeah, God, just take care of it, God. Just take care of it, God.
2: And he's saying, you take care of it. <coughs> Sorry. <clears throat> that word, good ground, it says that when the
1: seed is sown on good ground, and such hear the word, and they receive it, they bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. That word good ground means it's beautiful as an outward sign of inward good. That means that you've taken time. It's excellent in its nature. So, we are responsible. I like what the message says in verse 20. It says, but the seed planted in the good earth represents those who hear the word Embrace it and
2: produce a harvest beyond their wildest dreams. That means, you know what that means? That means we become more like Jesus. That's
1: beyond my wildest dreams, to think that I could actually bring from the inside, bring the seed of the word Jesus, it's the word. And in my spirit resides the word. By grace, everything that the word is, every promise, everything that Jesus did resides inside of me. And the promise is that if I cultivate the soul, cultivate my garden, that the seed that's on the inside of me, The Holy Spirit comes alongside of me and he says, "Okay, let's go cultivate this soil because I want to do this in you. And so how do you cultivate the soil? You read and study the word for yourself. Find out what it says, because when you know what it says and it connects with the word that's alive inside of you, boom, that's when the garden begins to produce fruit and fruit. you become a fruitful Christian. Isn't that the desire for our lives? To be a fruitful Christian and not only just be fruitful, but that the fruit remains. We don't waffle back and forth between between a carnal nature and a spiritual (coughs) nature. On Sunday, oh, God moved. Oh, God moved. I'm going to serve Him. I'm going to do what He told me to do. And by Monday morning... You've fallen right back into old things, old thinking patterns, old habits. You know, thinking patterns are habits. Literally. There was a psychologist, a Christian psychologist, that did a research on the mind and how we think. And when they looked at the brain, there are actual paths in our brain that are habitual ways of thinking, just like a deer trail or animals have a trail that go to the water that's been there for hundreds and maybe thousands of years. That's the same way in our brain. And we have trails that our brain waves are used to thinking. And so we have to break how our mind habitually thinks. That's cultivating your ground. How do we do that? By reading and studying the Word of God by praying and by praying in the Holy Ghost and by hearing the Word of God and receiving the Word.
2: Sometimes we want something from God, but we don't want to develop something with God. We want Him to do the work for us. And He's saying, I've got the
1: mansion. I gave it to you. It's fully furnished. You don't have to change a light bulb. You don't have to string a string of lights. You don't have to change an air conditioning filter. You don't have to do anything for the mansion. And it has an estate manager that comes alongside and he shows
2: you the plans that God has for your life. But that takes us really settling down asking the Holy Spirit to come and show us those things that need to change. That's how we begin to cultivate. In
1: John 16, it says, Jesus said, I must needs go away because the Father will send the Holy Spirit. And he said, when he comes, he will guide
2: you into all truth. That word guide means a tour guide. A tour guide. Do you know what he came to do? He came to say, Okay, Josh, this is what God
1: has for you. Now it's unknown territory. You've never been here before, but I'm gonna show you how to get there. We're not just left to to think, oh well, maybe I'll dig a little spot over here, or I'll dig a little spot over here. No, the Holy Spirit goes, Okay, here's the plan. This is all written inside. I've got it. And he comes and he begins to speak to you about the plan of God for your life. It's not too late for the plan of God for your life. It's never too late for the plan of God for your life. But it takes us joining with the estate manager and him showing us all of the the plans for the garden. And then he gives us the tools necessary. And then how do we do that? How do we begin to do that? Well, let's go look at Genesis 2. You don't have to turn there. But we know the story. This is where God creates Adam. And it said that God made a garden. And when he he made Adam, he what? Placed him in a garden. And then he told Adam.
2: He He spoke the garden into existence. Oops. The garden wasn't a jungle, it wasn't a deserted garden, it wasn't unkempt,
1: it wasn't in confusion, but God spoke into existence a beautiful garden for the man Adam and the woman Eve to live in. And he put them in the garden. There was water to take care of the garden, there was dew that came, it was surrounded by rivers, all was provided and cared for and maintained. When Adam and Eve were made in the image of God, they were perfect in their standing with God. They had no sin. You remember the story. They were clothed in the glory of God. They were the perfect creation. The garden represents our soul and the care of our soul as instructed by God. In verse 15, God told Adam to dress The garden. Now, this is the perfect garden created by God, created for his creation. And yet God told him, take care of the garden. Dress the garden. How did Adam dress the garden? Just like he saw his father create and keep things. He spoke it by faith. He spoke and dressed the garden by faith. The word dress the garden means to work, to serve, to labor, and to cultivate. In the cool of the evening, remember, God would come down. Really, literally, the Hebrew says his voice would come on the wind in the cool of the evening. And I thought about that tonight when I felt the breeze. I thought, I think that's exactly what Adam and Eve heard and felt was the cool of the evening. The voice of God would come and speak to him. What do you think they talked about? I think they talked about the plans for the garden for the next day. I think God gave them instruction how to, how to dress the garden, what he wanted to see accomplished in the garden, just like the Holy Spirit does us. And Adam would take those plans, and he would begin to speak them forth by faith. <clears throat> we have the same choice. God speaks to us by his word or by the Spirit and by the Spirit, I'll say it that way, and by the Spirit, then we have to choose what we're going to do with it. Adam could have chose not to dress the garden. He could have laid around in the hammock. But it would have grown up into a jungle because God was not going to maintain the garden for him. Adam was responsible. And so by faith, they maintained the garden. We know that our salvation comes by grace, how? Through faith. Our healing comes by grace through faith. Our deliverance comes by grace through faith. Uh, It's grace that sets you free, and it comes through faith. So all of God's promises come by grace. They're in the mansion. But we, by faith, receive them. In 3 John 2, 4, Beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health, even as your soul, I'm going to say, even as your garden is cultivated. For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as you walkest, and I'm going to say, labor by faith in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk. Live and grow in truth. So we access at what's in our spirit by grace. We access that by faith. So why is it important to cultivate the seed of the word? Because when our soul comes into alignment with the spirit of God in us, that's where we see the power of God manifest. That's how we see, see, we're not trying to get our healing. We're not trying to get God to give us something. It's already in the mansion. What we're doing is cultivating our soul to receive what we've already gotten. It sounds too simple, doesn't it? (laughs) But it's really what it's about. We're not trying to get something from God. It's already in us. And as we cultivate and as we grow and as we bear fruit, we're going to bear what the word promises us. He told Adam to keep it, to dress the garden and to keep it. What does it mean to keep the garden? It means to hedge it about, to protect it, to be observant and to keep watch. In Proverbs it says, uh, my son, uh, uh, guard your heart. That word keep your heart means like a gatekeeper. You are the one that allows in or doesn't allow in. And you see, why did Adam fall? Because he didn't keep it. He didn't keep it. He didn't shut the gate. He allowed the enemy into his garden. How many times do we allow the enemy into our garden? I do it because I'm not, I don't stand there and say, you're not coming in. That's my responsibility. It's my responsibility to to guard what thoughts I think on. It's my responsibility what I watch, what I listen to, (coughs) what I allow into my garden. There is no one here that would plant a garden and leave it free of any fencing
2: or anything else because things are going to come in and steal from it. Isn't that what the devil does to us? That's what Mark 4 says, that the word
1: comes. He sows the word sown into our hearts, sown into our souls,
2: and the enemy comes immediately to steal the seed of the word. So Adam, the perfect creation, had instructions to dress the garden and to keep the garden. And he didn't keep it. And that's when we really, the enemy
1: just floods us to come in and steal the plans and purposes of God for our lives.
2: In Genesis 3, 9... God came down after
1: Adam and Eve sinned, after they let the enemy into the garden, and he said, Adam, where art thou? And the Hebrew literally says this,
2: why are you where you are? I mean, we need to ask ourselves that question. Why are we where we are? Because we didn't dress it. And we didn't keep it. Why are we where we are? Because we didn't dress it and we didn't keep it. Amen? Or oh me, I'm not sure which one, but I'm,
1: I'm gouging on myself too here. Why am I where I am? Hmm, let me see. Holy Spirit, reveal it. Sometimes the Holy Spirit doesn't even have to reveal it. Sometimes we know exactly why we are where we are. And it usually can be uh, brought back to our minds and what we're thinking on, what we're allowing into our gardens. You see, our gardens should always enhance the mansion that's inside of us. There it goes. <laughs> we are responsible. We are the ones... That dress it and keep it. Oh my goodness, I'm so grateful for the breeze. (laughs) I really am.
2: (laughs) You know, I think a lot of us, there's times we knew we received a healing from the Lord. There's times we've received a word from the Lord. There's
1: times that we knew God had a plan and something we were supposed to walk out. Someone had a word, a prophecy for us, but we thought,
2: where'd it go? Why, why didn't it come about? You see, you got to cultivate the garden so that when the prophecy or the word from God or the healing
1: or the provision I mean, how many times, there's been times that God's provided.
2: And then I went, where, where did it go? What happened? I didn't cultivate the garden. And I let the enemy in. I didn't dress it, and I didn't keep it. And
1: I think many times that's where our despair, our discouragement,
2: <clears throat> we get mad at God. How many have been mad at God? Yeah, we all have, haven't we? If we're being real Because we didn't understand what happened Why didn't this word come to pass What happened Why didn't I Why couldn't I keep my healing Why aren't my children serving God (laughs) You know they, They started to come back And then they went this way you know, we
1: have whys, don't we? We have whys. Why did this happen? Why did that happen? Why hasn't why hasn't my faith worked? Why hasn't what I've been believing for come about? Really and truly, and I've had to really shine the spotlight on myself here.
2: If you look at it, you didn't dress it and keep it. I I haven't dressed it and kept it. And I think some of us have been discouraged. Oh, we're still serving God, but it's like, oh, I'm not going to put myself out there.
1: I'm going to serve God. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to
2: pray, but no, I'm going to put myself out there because I'll just get hurt again. Some of us have, have let things go that God gave us, that God promised us.
1: Some of us will let the enemy come in and just mow our gardens down. Some of us have let old habits of thinking, and I'm not talking smoking, drinking, all that stuff. I'm talking things that are even more damaging,
2: and that's how we think. That's way more damaging because it keeps us from receiving the promises of God. So, I'm going to challenge you tonight to ask the Holy Spirit. You know, when, when the Lord began to reveal
1: this to me, he said, uh, He said, there's still seed in the ground. You might not see anything on top. It might look dead. It might look destroyed, but there's still seed in the ground. And where there's seed, there's potential for fruit. And so I'm just going to challenge you tonight to Ask the Holy Spirit when you get home. Say, Holy Spirit, show me those areas that I've just let go. Or I let the enemy in. Or I let uh, bitterness in. Or I let unforgiveness in. Or whatever. You know. You know the things. You know the areas where you have difficulty. You probably don't even have to ask the Holy Spirit on some of them. (laughs) You know? I mean, reality. Reality. But I'm going to tell you, the Holy Spirit is always there to help you come back to it. He's always there. He knows the plan of God. I love the idea that when God created the earth, when God had you in mind before the creation of the earth, the Holy Spirit was there. And he heard every plan. He heard heard every purpose. He heard everything that God had to say about you. And that is what he comes to do. He, he's our tour guide to guide us in the things that God has planned for us. The, his plans and purposes. And his plans
2: and purposes are always good. Always good. Always good. Yeah. Let me just bow our heads just for a minute, close our eyes, and go. Just bow our heads. And it's not my plan to embarrass anyone. I'm not going to ask you to come down front. But I'm if
1: there's if there's been promises that God, you know that God gave you a word, you know there's things that God spoke to you, and yet you haven't allowed them to come to fruition in your life. Or there's prayers that you are not answered, and so you just kind of gave up on God? There's a whole variety of things there that has held you back from, from bearing fruit. That's what we're here on the earth to do, is to bear fruit. I'm just going to ask you to just raise your hand. Just hold it up there. Man, I'm not even looking, because I just want to pray for you. Just hold your hand up. I just want to pray for you. Father God, I thank you. Holy Spirit, you see. You've already known all this time anyway. But Father, I pray for each one here. And Father, I pray that they would have boldness, that they would have courage to to go back in, to pick it back up, to begin to cultivate again, to begin to prepare the ground, to begin to see with eyes of hope, to begin to see what you have for them. Father, boldness to step back in and to begin to grow the seeds of those things that you spoke into their lives father whatever those were whatever things that you had promised father whatever things that they got discouraged whatever areas that need to be restored whatever areas that the enemy rushed in and literally destroyed their garden father i pray that they would have courage to pick up the spade Hmm to again labor with the grace. Father God, to begin to step out in boldness and courage and to step out and to accomplish those things that you've called them to be and do. Father, I pray that their eyes would be open to those things, Father, that you have for them. Father, old dreams, broken dreams, forgotten dreams. Father God, things that maybe they saw in their youth even. Father it's never too late. Where there's seed, there's always potential for fruit. So, Father, I pray that those things, those broken dreams, those areas where they have just quit believing you, Father, that they would pick those things up again, that the Holy Spirit would begin to remind them of those things that they thought were gone and past. And, Father, that the Holy Spirit would come alongside them and reveal to them your goodness, your ability to, and, and, the, and the things, the plans that the estate manager has for them. Father, I just thank you in Jesus' name that, Father, you want to do a thing, a new thing, a fresh thing. Father God, I thank you that the Holy Spirit is always about a fresh thing. And, Father God, I, I just thank you that he will come alongside just as he promised, and he will guide them into all truth. He will be their tour guide through this new garden, through this uh, uh, path of life that you have for them. Father, I just thank you for it. I just thank you for all that you are to us. Thank you for Jesus and all that he accomplished and gave to us by grace. Father, we just give you all praise and all glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
0: concludes our message. This message is copyrighted by Faith Alive Ministries and may not be reproduced for commercial or resale purposes. Duplication by individuals for the purpose of sharing the gospel is permitted. However, this copyright notice must accompany all copies made. For additional information and teaching resources, please write to Faith Alive Ministries, P.O. Box 321, Pryor, Oklahoma, 74362. Or you may visit our website at www.faithalivefellowship.net.